Hello everyone and welcome to episode 19 of the Therapeutic Rainbow and I'm very happy to welcome Julie Kent MBE with us today and she is a public speaker and has been in the charity sector for over 30 years so welcome Julie and thank you very much for coming on the podcast today. Oh thank you very much for asking me I'm really pleased to be here. So can you tell us a bit more about your background, how you've got into charity work and anything else you want to share with the listeners? Okay, well, I am 59. This is a big year for me. It's going to be my 60th year. And I was born in Gloucester. And I then went and did a degree in jazz and light music. I sing and play the saxophone. Amazing. then I played in lots of bands and then I decided to be a sensible person and went into teaching. Okay. And um, started to teach flute, clarinet and saxophone on a one-to-one basis and ended up um, doing a different school every day. And okay. then um, decided that I got more and more pupils at a school called Dean Close School in Cheltenham. And I decided to just teach there. And um, after a couple of years, I became a day housemistress, which meant that I was uh, responsible for teenage girls while they were in school. So right from eight o'clock in the morning until about six o'clock. And I would, um, they would come to me if they couldn't find something or if they wanted to decide about their subjects or if they were unhappy or I would support them playing hockey in competitions, everything really. Then they'd go home. Okay. And, and then I was offered to be a boarding house mistress. So I moved my family into school and um, we lived in school for 20 years where I um, was looking after them 24 hours a day, seven days a week in term time. So you had um, lots of children to look after. Yeah. It was like having 60 surrogate daughters, really, along the way. Okay. And, and then I retired in the summer and... Um, during all of this time I've been involved in different charities and so now I've decided after being given the MBE um, although I haven't been given it by the Queen yet we're still waiting to go yeah um, I decided to be a public speaker and tell the story and um, you know about what I've done uh, my experiences and the importance of giving so that's that's the whole 59 years in a nutshell absolutely so what kind of charity work have you been involved with is it a real mixture or is it a particular charity that have been close to you or um yes uh we got married in 1990 and had our first daughter in 92 and when she was about two and a half we um noticed that she was falling over quite a lot and um we took her to an optician who could see that something wasn't quite right and went to um, an eye specialist um, at the hospital who said there wasn't some, there was something not quite right and uh, went for a scan and literally went from the scan to French A because she had a brain tumour in the back of her brain and she was only two and a half. And um, we spent the next six months really between Bristol Children's Hospital and Gloucestershire Royal Hospital having treatment um, and she died in the June and um, we decided then to uh, form a charity in her name. Okay. We didn't, we didn't have any other children then and I think, um, you know, there's, I don't think there is very much 
work there isn't very much that can happen to you that's much worse than losing yeah. a child really and um it was in june when i was back to start a long summer holiday yeah and um it just seemed right we had we had a lot of friends who wanted to support us i was still playing quite a lot probably five or six nights a week then and um, we were very well supported. And so we decided to form the charity initially for anaesthetic equipment for the Bristol Royal Infirmary, because every time she had chemo, we couldn't get a scan to see how it had affected okay. her and if yeah. it was doing well or not. Because obviously children have to be anaesthetized to go through the scanner yeah. and they could never get a slot. So we that's the first thing we bought anaesthetic equipment so that children could be scanned quickly. I mean, I'm talking, um 27 years ago really yeah and um and that snowballed into raising money for children in gloucestershire with cancer and we had the charity for about six years we raised four hundred thousand. and during that time bristol were building a new children's hospital and so were gloucester okay and both both of them approached us and we gave both of them £50,000 and there was a ward in Bristol in the New Children's Hospital called the Emily Kent Ward. They have actually changed the names of all their wards in the last 18 months, actually, and made them more child friendly. So uh, Emily's ward is called Ocean Ward now. Um, but at Gloucester, the oncology paediatric um, ward is called the Emily Kent Unit. Um, and... Um, so we were very involved with children and cancer. Yeah. But then we had a son and then we had another daughter and we decided that really they needed our attention because obviously running a charity is um, time consuming. Absolutely. And um, so we decided to fold it. And I then started to raise money for Click Sergeant, obviously, yeah. which is connected. Um, at school, I raised a lot of money for breast cancer um teenage cancer trust and there was a charity in gloucestershire called the pied piper appeal and it was actually the pied piper appeal that was raising the money initially for the children's hospital that we yeah. gave fifty thousand pounds to and um the chairman came to me and said would i be a trustee and we were in the boarding house then i said i'm sorry i don't have time and he said all you've got to do is attend three meetings a year so somehow between that meeting and now um, I am the vice chairman, um, I oversee the office, I started a charity shop in the name, I do all the social media, um, I run the promotional board which is a board of brainstorming business people. Okay, so if we're trying to think of new ideas or whatever, it all goes through the promotional board. Um, so that definitely went wrong somewhere along the yeah. line. Um, so it and, yeah, I mean, the thing is, with the Pied Piper Appeal, I can go and visit the Emily Kent unit because yeah. it's actually, um, you know, all part of it. And we actually now have a pot in the safe in our office 
that um, so that if a child comes in or maybe a teenager comes in to have treatment and they want the latest PlayStation game in the hospital to get a game, you have to fill in so many pieces of paper, you know, just to get a game. So now we've bypassed all of that and they know now they can just ring down and say, we've got someone who's come in, they want the latest this and we just order it on Amazon. It arrives the following day and it's, you know, because you don't have time to waste these things. Um, so, so I am vice chairman of that. And um, one of my pupils at Dean Close, I was in charge of community action, it was called, and it was on a Wednesday afternoon. Okay. And all the sixth form had to either do CCF, and we did have a lot of military families, actually. So they, yeah. a lot of them, you know, they did want to go into the army and they liked drill and shooting and all those sorts of things. Um, but if they didn't, then they were in my uh, group that was community action. So I might get them to go and help in a charity shop or they might go and visit old people, sing hymns, read the paper to them. Uh, they might go into um, jun local junior schools and help with sport or all sorts of things. And through that, I had my own little group on a Wednesday called CAG and it was charity action group. Okay. And one of the girls said, oh, Mrs. Kent, can we raise money for Cheltenham Open Door? And I said, gosh, I haven't heard of that. So we looked it up and it's a house in Cheltenham that four times a week um, people go and they can have a hot meal. Before the pandemic, they could have a shower. They could have their clothes washed. Um, and before the pandemic, we were feeding 50 people a day. Now feeding 80 people a day um, yeah. and so we started to raise money for Chatham Open Door and the same thing happened to me really they had a chairman who <laughs> was holding the fort and they uh the lady that is the manager there said oh Julie we need a chairman and I said honestly I really don't have time and um every month or so she'd she'd ring and say oh you know we're still looking for a chairman I say honestly Sarah I don't have time and um <laughs> I am the chairman of Cheltenham Open Door. Yeah. So, uh, which has been, you know, difficult during the pandemic, really, because the people are not all homeless. Some are lonely. Um, some are struggling with poverty. Yeah. Um, some have mental health issues. And, you know, we've been um, during sort of the, the other tiers, apart from now, when we only now deliver food to people that are shielding. But up until then, we, ha we had a sort of plastic screen over the door so they could still come and get a hot meal. And um, it's just so sad that some of the people are sort of broken. They're so broken mentally that even the question hot or cold drink is just too much for them. Many, I think, have been brought up in care um, and, you know, you don't know what has happened to them. Yeah. They are so broken that they cannot communicate you know they wouldn't be able to have a job because they're just incapable of communicating it's really sad and so there's people like that there's people that have got poverty issues there are people that are addicts there are people that have just come out of prison um and we are their sort of um their family for yeah. coming to you have food and that's um, obviously very risen you said in the pandemic yeah yeah 
And I think actually when we reopen properly again, um, it could be even higher because people will be made redundant, won't they, in April yeah. when the whole furlough is finished. Um, and actually I've met people who have been, you know, have got their job, they're made redundant. Sometimes the wives then throw them out because they can get more benefits if they're living on their own yeah. and these guys you know don't have a family or anything they are sleeping in doorways until someone says you know you need to contact these people and they will house you or whatever it's just so sad and the next thing their car is being repossessed it could happen to anyone I think absolutely I think we don't really realize how close it could be for anyone and it's going to get worse isn't it really yeah and I think that's what the podcast is all about really is that kind of just spreading the word of mental health yeah. and making it a normal thing to talk about I think for so long mental health has been this thing you don't talk about you don't talk about if you're struggling you don't ask for that help and I think what I want to show people is that you can be anyone exactly as you said yeah. and it's okay to say I am having a bad day yeah. I am struggling can you help me I'm going to put my hands up and yeah I was only speaking to a friend today and I was like, yeah, I might be the 20th person that tells them that, but actually I could be the person that's made them realize, okay, I do need to put my hand up and say, I'm struggling and I need yeah. some help. And so that's what I kind of want to do and kind of spread that word. And I think charity is another way of doing that. It's about getting out there and spreading a message and yeah. giving back. Yeah. And you can get so much from giving back. And is that something you found? Oh, my word. I don't think um, if I hadn't, if I hadn't, if we hadn't have started the charity, um, then I think I would have really struggled um, with losing Emily, really. By doing something positive yeah. definitely helped us to feel that something good was coming out of something so terrible. Yeah. And um you know, it's it's a positive coming out of a negative, isn't it? And I was talking to someone recently on another podcast, actually, and they were saying that they do know people that have lost children and they actually have gone into a very bad place. Yeah. But the thing is, we've we just felt that we were doing something to help other people. So something positive was coming out of it. Absolutely. And it's the leg legacy that she will continue to have. And that's yeah. kind of in your mindset of yeah it's an awful thing that's happened but look how much yeah. I've done yeah as a result and she will know that forever and her name will always yeah, be out yeah. there yeah there's actually a quote I use um from Abraham Lincoln to ease another's heartache is to forget one's own amazing and I don't think we'll ever forget it obviously but to ease yeah. other people's heartache you know brings us joy brings them joy because we're doing something for them and this is something that I talk about in my um in my keynote speech which is called the power of giving and it's and I don't know I don't think people have really thought about it before but there is more being written about it and more research being done and even um there's been research done of people all having chemotherapy and those that actually help the ones that are really struggling actually feel much better during their treatment because just by helping others makes them feel good that the people that are being helped or just a kind word or just yes I know how what it feels like they feel better it is a total win-win situation isn't it? and and is good you know it does 
um, open up those pathways in our brain that Absolutely. release good. good well, know. they say a problem shared is a problem halved, and it's exactly that, isn't yeah. it? It's that if you put it out there, you're going to get something back yeah. from it. You're going to feel better or not. You're going to have that yeah. kind of someone go, oh, okay, I haven't thought about it like that. And that's exactly what I do within the, the play therapy is put it out there in a way that a child can understand through play through their natural language for them to work it out and sometimes as children they don't have the words for what might be going on in their life but they're having someone play alongside them and sit there and help them with the words and just like that kind of change yeah. those neural pathways for them yeah it's interesting because um I was at Dean Close for 30 years I was a housemistress for 24 of those years and 24 years ago um people did not talk about their feelings as much yeah. and girls used to be in tears and they would say I don't know why I don't know why I say how are you feeling I don't know how I'm feeling and and yet in the last four or five years of being in the boarding house we'd we'd gone from we probably had our first school counsellor 20 years ago. Yeah. And she was a lady with a headscarf and a basket. And she yeah. would come in, you know, one afternoon and you could go and chat to her if you wanted to. Two, when I left, having a full-time registered counsellor and possibly looking at getting another. Because as the years went on, um, we encouraged the young people yeah. to talk about how they feel all the time, you know? Yeah, absolutely. And, um, almost to an obsessive point you know because what is happiness let's not go down that road that's a whole yeah, new podcast on its absolutely. own it? but um we were very concerned you know pastorally we were very concerned about the girls all the time and so my I was obviously concerned about my girls and um we would we would sit for hours and talk to them and and often they couldn't explain it but hormonally you know, Absolutely. they had all sorts of things going on. For some of them, their parents were living in Abu Dhabi. That's why they were boarding. You know, that is going on. There were so many things going on that um, all affecting their mental Definitely. health. Well, my, um, not only is my dream to have the therapy centre, but it's also to have that, as you say, that therapist in every school to be just as normal as having the art teacher, the cleaner. It should just be part of the kind of way of being and that having yeah. that well-being and yeah, and yeah. We, it's not going live but we're obviously recording this in children's mental health week and actually it is about making feelings making talking about it okay yeah. and I know with my girls are five and they know it's children's mental health week at the age of five yeah, yeah. and what that means and it's a normal part of their dialogue and that's yeah. how I want the future to be but it's still, I think, it's definitely better than it was. Yes, and, and actually, in the last few years at school, um, it was also opened up for the staff, yeah. which, when I look back to 30 years ago when I first went, oh, my word, I mean, no one would even slightly, you'd see it as being weak, you know, if you um, contacted a senior management member and said, please, can I see the counsellor? But I do think, actually, people are forgetting how hard teachers work at the moment. Yeah, really. And, I, you know, I don't want to take anything away from nurses or doctors, but teachers, some of them have taught all through the holidays because of um, the NHS workers' children still going to school. Yeah. 
um, they're adapting to teaching in a classroom and out of a classroom. I would say that mental health amongst teachers is pretty high at the yeah, moment. I do a lot of creative supervision with staff in the work in the schools that I'm based in. And that yeah. has definitely taken an increase because, as you say, they're juggling so many more yeah. plates as are we as parents because yeah. we as parents didn't sign up to be teachers at home you signed yeah. up to be a parent and to have that different relationship with your children and I think it's just being aware that everyone we don't know their story we don't know what's going on yeah. behind those closed doors and just being open to that and I guess you must have seen a lot of that yeah, yeah. the boarding house really you were yeah, probably definitely. their first point of call Yes, and actually sometimes it's difficult to contact the parents and say, um, actually, we don't think your daughter's eating properly. Oh, yeah, she eats absolutely fine when she's at home with us. Yeah. Well, you know, is she then going in the shower and throwing it all up, you yeah. know? And sometimes it was, it was, you know, we the counsellors wouldn't see the girls, obviously, unless the girls were happy to go. Yeah. So it sometimes would take a while to convince them, and I would offer to go with them. But then actually sometimes the most difficult part was telling the parents that actually yeah. and sometimes of course the girls didn't want their parents to yeah. know probably because then probably a couple of things they felt they would look weak to their parents they didn't want their parents to be upset if they were a long yeah. way away Absolutely. again all those sorts of issues that are also adding to their poor mental health and it? adding to that pressure so yeah yeah. A circle we could continue talking about for hours. Absolutely. Yes. But I end each podcast getting everyone to think about if you had a pot of gold at the end of your rainbow, what would it be filled with? So what would your pot be filled with? It would be filled with people that only thought about other people and not themselves and just wanted to give in any way, give money. If they couldn't give money, give time, but ultimately to give themselves. Absolutely. And have that power of giving. I love that. And I love mm. that quote you said. So just to let the listeners know, next week, we will be speaking to a lady from Little Hearts Music. And she is all about kind of thinking about music therapeutically and how that can help with children. So thank you again, Julie, for coming on today and take care, everyone. And I will speak to you all soon. Bye for now. Bye.